Hello, everyone. This is Amy Porterfield from the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. You're listening to the man who's trained more people to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the podcast answer man. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and this is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right. It doesn't matter if you are brand new to this world of podcasting or if you have been podcasting for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. In this episode, I am going to share with you a bit of a lengthy monologue that I did during an Ask Me Anything session on Clubhouse. Now, I will routinely go into various different online platforms, anything that's willing to give me a stage and have the opportunity to speak in front of a group of people. And one of my favorite formats is to just open it up Ask me anything. And recently, on Clubhouse, I did this related to online business. And Kristen came in, and she had a question about how to consistently get herself to produce blog content and to have the courage to monetize it. If you have ever created blog or podcast content that you have struggled to remain consistent with and or have the courage to monetize, or if you've had the courage to monetize and you have been consistent and you haven't successfully found a sustainable stream of revenue for your online business pursuits, this is the podcast for you. There is a chat from Christy. She says, I need courage to start a blog and want to monetize it. Any words of wisdom? I've tried to start a blog in the past and lacked discipline to do it consistently. I don't want to fall into old habits. Please advise. Thanks. Christy, are you willing to come up and talk with me? Are you able to do that? And if not, feel free to put in the chat that that's not a possibility. Not possible at the moment. Okay, so just know this, I have to do a lot of, I have to make a lot of assumptions without asking you clarifying questions. So, I need courage to start a blog. And my question is, why? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to blog? Why do you want to monetize your blog? If you're telling me that you need courage to do it and you have a history and old habits of taking steps but not doing it consistently, it indicates that there isn't a real clear reason why this is important to you. I'll tell a little bit of a story. So I want you to imagine with me, if you will, Christy, that there is this guy, he's 35 years old, very athletic guy. He's one of these cross-country runners. It's one of those guys who likes to run in the woods, deep in the wilderness. And it's kind of his thing. 
and he has been working really hard in his business. He was kind of a little bit burned out by all the things that he had been doing. He's got a military buddy of his that informed him that there is this place out in the wilderness. It's like a little retreat center, but it's not really a retreat center. It's a military training base, but it's a very small military training base, and it's way out in the middle of the wilderness. We're talking miles and miles and miles away from civilization. When you get there, there's literally only three buildings on the compound. We don't know what's in the other two buildings, but one of the three buildings is a little cabin. And inside that cabin is just the bare necessities. It's got a couple of beds. It has a table for you to set things on. It's got a little desk with a chair just in case you want to sit down and journal or write or whatever. But really, that's all there is. There's no power, no electricity, anything like that, just a candle. Imagine that. Now, not only that, but around these three buildings is a very large fence. This is not just any fence, though. It is a military-grade fence. One would argue that it's unpenetrable. It has a gate with a locking mechanism that a lockpick would find it difficult to get through. And then the fence itself is approximately 15 feet high, and it has those spiraled wires all across the perimeter with razor blades. So the idea that anybody could break into this facility, if you do not have the combination and the key to get into this military-grade gate into this facility to get into these three buildings, you're not getting in. So this guy, he goes in, he has the code, he has the key, and he checks himself into the little cabin there. By the way, he brought very few belongings. He brought a backpack, and inside of that backpack basically had a couple of changes of clothes, and it had his laptop, and he had the key to this place, and a wallet, and that wallet had about, let's just say, three $100 bills. So he had about $300 of cash inside of his wallet. That's the only things this guy brought with him. So he gets in, sleeps incredibly well that night, wakes up about 4.30 in the morning, and he's like, dude, I'm going out in the dark, and I am going to run until sunrise. So he leaves everything behind, pulls the gate shut behind him, and he goes off for a run. He then sees this beautiful sunrise over this mountainous range, and he's like, wow, life is so good. This is exactly what I needed. He's on his way running back towards this facility, this cabin area, and as he's getting closer and closer, he looks up and he notices smoke. As he gets closer, he realizes that the cabin that he had stayed in There's a fire inside. It looks like it's pretty bad. The smoke is billowing pretty thick. So he runs and runs and runs. He gets up to the gate and he realizes that he had left the key to the gate inside. Now he has the code, but the code alone won't let him in. He has to have the code and he has to have the key. The key is inside the cabin. And now this man, he has to ask himself, what am I going to do? I really need to get in 
to that cabin so that I can rescue my laptop, my couple of pairs of clothes, and my $300 worth of cash that's in my wallet. So he's trying and trying to get into the gate. There's no way for him to get into the gate. They have certain mechanisms to keep him from digging under there and and getting in. There's just seemingly no way. And he looks up 15 feet up in the air, and he sees nothing but razor blades. So my question, Christy, is do you think he actually saved his wallet his $300 cash in his laptop, or do you think he basically just sat there and watched the cabin burn? Well, if you guessed that he tried a bunch of different things, but when it came to the razor blades and knowing that going over top was the only way, and it came to the potential of slicing his skin with all of these razor blades, he opted not to go that route. When there were some obstacles, he tried a lot of things, but there was just certain things that it was just, it just wasn't worth it. So this would be like somebody who really feels like, I, I really want to do this. I really want to get in there. I really want to save the stuff that I have in there that's of importance to me. It, what's on the other side of this fence is really important to me, but It's very clear by the fact that he gave up and just watched the building burn to the ground and then hiked his way back to whatever and finally reported the situation and scenario, and he he just gave up. One could understand why one would do that. Sure, he lost his laptop, and sure, he lost his $300 and all of his cards and his ID and, and the thing, but quite frankly, none of those were worth what it would take to get on the other side of those razor blades. I think you're understanding what I'm saying there. Now, I want to tell you a different story. Same guy, same scenario, working a lot, loves cross country. He needs a retreat. He hasn't spent enough time with his wife and his little son who is four years old. And so he hears about this little cabin out in the wilderness. So he tells his wife about it and she goes, wow, that sounds amazing. Let's go. They get in that night They're set up, and at 4.30 in the morning, his wife and his four-year-old son are asleep in the cabin, and he's like, I'm going to go for a run, and I'm going to watch the sunrise. And so he closes the gate behind him. He goes. He sees the sunrise come up over the valley, and it's just absolutely gorgeous, and just life is amazing. And as he gets closer to the facility, he notices billowing smoke. Same scenario there is a significant fire. That candle that had been lit fell over and dropped onto something, and now there is a fire inside of that cabin. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think he got into the cabin and was able to wake up his wife and his four-year-old son? If you said the answer was yes, you're right. Because that person would do anything, including climbing up a 15-foot fence and then risking bleeding to death because of razor blade cuts so that he at least could attempt to save his four-year-old son and his wife. You know what he didn't have? He didn't have courage to save his laptop and his wallet. But he did have courage 
to save his wife and his four-year-old son. What gave him the courage in one scenario versus the other? Having something that was worth it on the other side. I think that's about as much as I can give you without personally engaging and seeing where you are in your mind as I tell that story. I just want to let you know, I am hosting a building and online business workshop, and it is me teaching a step-by-step formula, an 11-step formula for how to build a profitable online business. The reason why I created the Building and Online Business Workshop is because for the first 12 years of my online business venture, I was known as the Podcast Answer Man. I trained over 40,000 people on how to launch a podcast, generated over a million dollars in sales in my podcasting A to Z four-week training program, And out of those students that I worked with, I sold over $1 million worth of physical podcast equipment. So I was incredibly financially successful and became pretty much the go-to person on how to launch a podcast. I was loving life until I realized that helping all of these people launch a podcast was not actually helping people get what they wanted. Now, It helped them get what they said they wanted. They said they wanted a podcast. Now, Christy, do me a favor. Every time I say the word podcast, I want you to hear the word blog because they're essentially the same thing. The the way that you go about creating the content and monetizing it might be slightly different, but I just want you to hear every time I say podcast, I want you to hear a blog. So what happened was people said, Cliff, I know your story. You started podcasting as a hobby. You were working in insurance in your mom and dad's insurance agency that your grandfather started in 1937. You were next in line to take it over. You were incredibly successful financially in that career. If your dad would have retired, you were next in line to take it over. You'd be making $1.5 million a year. But you started podcasting as a hobby about entertainment, television show, podcast content, and you build an audience of hundreds of thousands of people who love to watch television shows like Lost, Desperate Housewives, and Grey's Anatomy, and then reading books like The Twilight Saga and The Hunger Games, which, by the way, if you want to see all of those over at gspn.tv, stands for Generally Speaking Production Network. So gspn.tv, not .com, but .tv, You can see all of those archived shows. And they're like, Cliff, we know that you started by creating content and then you build an audience and then eventually you had a dream of doing this podcast stuff full time. I've been watching your journey. I know it wasn't easy at first, but here you are years later and you've had all of this success. And of course, I want you to teach me how to start a podcast because I want to do what you've done. Now, they, didn't, they were not saying those words to me. It wasn't until they actually paid for my $2,000 four-week course, I asked them, why do you want to have a podcast? What, how would your life be better having a podcast versus not having a podcast? What do you hope to achieve? How will you know if you have found success with your podcast? These kind of things came in. It's like, I want to create content, I want to build an audience, and I want to monetize it. 
And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then what I found is that, okay, there I was helping these people, and sure enough, everybody who ever wanted to have a podcast, who hired me to teach them how to have a podcast, by the end of working with me, they had a podcast. They did not just have a podcast, by the way. They had a podcast with the best audio quality you can buy with the budget that you had. Not only did they have one of the best audio quality podcasts on the planet, but they also had a podcast that had an incredible level of sophistication when it came to the outlining of content, the topics covered, the format for the show, professional sounding audio jingles, all of this other stuff. Now, some of them struggled to ever build an audience, and there was a number of reasons for that, but I specifically want to focus on the number of people who ended up building an audience in the thousands, and some of them, you know, as many as 10,000, and some of them even all the way up to 100,000 people in their community. And the ironic thing was that in almost every scenario where the purpose for creating the podcast was so that they could monetize it, so that they could also find a way to leave their day job and do this online business as their full-time career, almost all of them failed in monetizing their podcast. All the other people who succeeded, they succeeded because they already had a business with a proven track record of products and services that met the needs of their ideal clients. They had already succeeded in building sales and marketing funnels. They had already had clients who had transformation stories as a result of the products and services they offered. It's just that when they added a podcast on top of their blog and the other outlet channels that they were using to reach an audience, They just took that, what they already had as a foundation, and was able to add more fuel to the fire, if you will, of their profitability and success. And then it got me to thinking, you know what? I had the same issue. You see, when I first started podcasting, I began by creating content about something I was just passionate about, television shows, the television television show Lost. My wife and I were podcasting about that every week and all the other entertainment-based shows that I was telling you about. And then I got into some geeky tech stuff and social media stuff and I invited some of my other friends who shared those passions and we created content around that. As a result of it, I did have an audience overall Among all of the different shows, I was actually on a weekly basis reaching about, let's just say, at least 100,000 people and maybe close to 200, maybe even 300,000 people certain weeks. I said that once I was doing that as a hobby, I wanted to turn it into my full-time career. Now, what did I want to turn into my full-time career? It wasn't teaching people how to podcast, and it wasn't actually just podcasting itself. What was happening was these television shows were bringing up life topics, mindset topics, real heart matter topics. And as a result of that, my wife and I were able to share stories of how we resonate with that. 
our own life experiences and bringing that relatable side to it. And as people heard our stories, they heard their own story in our stories where previously they're like, I never thought anybody else on this planet thought or felt or experienced the things that I have thought, felt, or experienced. You are the first people on this planet I've ever heard share so openly and authentically. Cliff, can you answer this question? I'll never forget this one person sent me an email. Cliff, I left my wife and my kids about eight years ago for a younger woman. That never worked out. I've been so guilty and so ashamed that sometimes pondered taking my life. I desperately want to reconcile with my wife and have my kids back in my life, but I just don't think it's possible. It, can you give me any kind of word of encouragement? I just felt like I could reach out to you and ask if you'd be willing to give me any word of encouragement. Those are the kinds of emails that I was getting from people who were watching these TV shows and listening to our entertainment-based podcast. So if you want to know what was it that I wanted to do full-time with my life and leave my career as an insurance agent, it was so that I could be of support and encouragement to people. Yes, I wanted to create content. I love to talk, as if you can't tell with this monologue. But the reality is, is what I truly love to do is I do love to entertain, but I love to educate. I love to encourage. I love to inspire and motivate people to make shifts in the way that they see the world, in the way that they think about themselves. I want to help introduce people to their true identity, who they really are, what they're truly capable of. These things that they've been taught that they're limited are just fictitious lies that have kept them from experiencing their full power. This is what I was doing with my little side hobby as a podcaster. So I had this dream. Now, granted, because I did have an audience in the hundreds of thousands, I was making a couple thousand dollars a month from some advertisers and some sponsors. But a couple thousand dollars a month as the sole income earner for our family of five with three young kids, three to five thousand dollars a month, you know, as a self-employed business owner, that's not enough to put food on the table to, to live a reasonable lifestyle. The thought of leaving my career as an insurance agent seemed absolutely impossible, but people encouraged me, came along and said, Cliff, you could do this. You really can. They said, you've got the audience. You've got these skills, these talents, the ability. You could totally do this. And well, eventually I, I'm like, okay, I am making three to $5,000 a month doing this on the side. What if I give this my full attention? So I put my 90-day notice in, January 2008, became full-time self-employed. My experience was I worked around the clock seven days a week without a single day off for the first nine months of 2008. Finally, took off one day a week, increased the number of hours I worked the other six days a week. By the end of the year, I made, after the, the business was profitable, the business paid for health insurance for our family, it paid a CPA to do all that taxes stuff, and it paid for all of the software related to our business. It paid for the overhead. But for the first nine months, there wasn't a single paycheck for this guy named Cliff Ravenscraft. Not one. 
And at the end of the year, after taxes, my net income for the final three months was $11,000. I made $11,000 net income my first full year, full-time, self-employed with no other streams of income. To say that was difficult and challenging is an understatement. And Christy, hear me. I had hundreds of thousands of people in my audience. Now, over time, I began to recognize that there were a lot of people who said, Cliff, can you teach me how to podcast? And I was doing that for free on the side, just wanted to encourage people. Eventually, people said, Cliff, you should let me pay you to do this. And Cliff, you should charge for this. And then I, I started charging like $50 an hour. And they're like, dude, you need to like double your rates, if not triple them. And so I would double my rates. And and then people then said, you should still double, you should double your rates. And I kept doing that over and over again. And before I knew it, I actually found that I was making way more money teaching people how to podcast than I was from all of these, you know, from the hundreds of thousands of people in all of this entertainment-based podcast that I was doing. If there's something that you're, you should be picking up on is the fact that creating lots of content and having a large audience and building an audience doesn't necessarily equal profitability in a business. Instead, it was a specialized, focused area that caused me to start seeing some financial return on investment of my time, effort, and energy. So I slowly ramped down the entertainment side of podcast, and I went pretty much all in on Podcast Answer Man. And when I focused in on this audience, that's when I began to see all of the success. But again, all of, all of this was because people thought, well, gosh, Cliff, if I could just create a podcast and do what you're doing. The only thing is, is I wasn't recognizing what was going on at the time. See, people were under the impression Cliff just started a podcast as a hobby, built an, created lots of content, built a large audience, and he's now incredibly financial successful. And that's what they're seeing. That's what they're perceiving. And in a way, I kind of perceived it myself. I wasn't necessarily telling people that's how things went. Enough people believed it and told me that that's what they were recognizing. And I kind of just went along with it and agreed. It's like, yeah, I guess, I guess it does seem to be that way. But as time went on, eventually I recognized how many people were failing miserably. And I do mean they were miserable as a result of their failed attempts to monetize their podcast. It was starting to get to me. Not, I, I, not necessarily that nobody was upset with their investment in my podcast training. They, my success rate there is amazing. In fact, I encourage you at some t- point, go to podcasting, that's podcasting, I-N-G, A2Z.com, and tell me if you've ever seen an online course with that many testimonials on the sales page. People were incredibly thankful. They were like, this is the best online course experience I've ever had. Yet, years later, I'm talking to those same people and they're upset and miserable because they have not yet found any profitability of monetizing around their podcast content. A majority of them, most of them. So I began to ask myself, why? What is the common trait? And so I began to offer one-on-one coaching and I said, listen, I wanna do one-on-one coaching. I wanna talk to people about their mindset and I also wanna ask you some important questions about where you are in the journey, what steps have you taken? And when I began to start focusing on 
people's desires to create monetization around their podcast, when I started to ask them questions like, how much money do you want to generate? They had no answer to that question. When I asked them, why do you want to generate? Well, because I hate my day job. Okay, that's, okay, I get that. But why do you want to create your own business? Why not just go get another job? And they didn't have an answer. I said, okay, what kind of business do you want to create? What products and services will you offer? At what price will you offer them? They had no answers to any of these questions. Then I, I'm like, I, I went to the core basic. Let me ask you this. I want to ask you two questions, and I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to say whatever comes off the top of your head. Number one, who are you? And number two, why are you here? When I say that, why are you on this planet? They didn't have answers to those two questions. And then I realized, wow, I am beginning to understand, number one, why they are failing. And the reason why I was finally able to understand it at that point in my own entrepreneurial journey is because I recognized how much of myself I was seeing in their story. And also, I was able to be very blessed to work with people who had already succeeded in business and helping them launch their podcast and seeing what they had done prior to creating that podcast that allowed them to experience such massive success. And remember, I told you there were a handful of people who created a podcast who had nothing before that podcast. They were a virtual unknown in the online space before they launched their podcast, but yet they succeeded hands down. What was the difference? And what I recognized is there were several steps that they took before creating content and building an audience. And as I began to study these people, I came up with what I recognized as an 11-step formula for building an online business. What I also recognized in my own journey that if I were to start everything from scratch today, where would creating a podcast and building an audience come in? And the answer is step eight. So there's an 11-step formula for building a profitable online business, and I started with step eight. Create content, build an audience. And I suffered the same thing. Now, here's the situation. Most people don't create a podcast and instantly have hundreds of thousands of downloads because of these entertainment-based podcasts. We're talking, this was back in December 2005, early 2006. There were only a few hundred podcasts in existence in the world, and there were millions of people who were fans of these television shows. So it was like fishing, <laughs> I'm not a fisherman, but it's like fishing in a trout farm. You're, you're pretty much, it, there's, they're hungry, they're ready to bite, you know, there's like, there's not enough food here for all of these people, and, and so it was, the, the audience was just there. Most people who launch a podcast today, it could take you anywhere between a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and maybe even a couple of years before you reach your first thousand subscribers, and many people don't even get beyond that. 
The idea of starting with step eight, creating lots of content, having it sound incredibly well-produced, high-quality content, and yet having no none of those first seven steps taken care of, you're pretty much guaranteed to not monetize. Or if you do monetize, we're talking about your monthly expenses related to all of these things. If you're able to break even, you're doing really well. That's the majority of people who are launching a podcast. So I began working with people and I said, hey, would you be willing to hire me as your coach and start from step one? Now, this situation is, is I will not take you as a client unless you are willing to completely shut down your podcast and start over with a brand new podcast if and only if you discover after doing the first seven steps that you started the wrong show and built the wrong audience. And by the way, if you're not monetizing, most people have done that. So I had enough brave souls who had already put out like 100 podcast episodes. I took on 10 clients brought them all through this 11-step formula one-on-one, and they all instantly started seeing success in monetization without creating content. In fact, I asked them when they hired me, please stop publishing content to your podcast. Cliff, I've never missed a week since I started. Well, let me ask you this. Have you hit your financial goals any time during all of these weeks that you've you've been doing this for 100 weeks? Have you has, has there been a month that you hit your financial goal? No. Then stop creating content. Would you please do that? Yes. Okay, great. You can create podcast for that audience if we go through the first seven steps. And after that, you're absolutely convinced you have the right podcast with the right brand, with the right focus, and you're reaching and speaking to the right audience for the products and services that you will create. Agreed? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Instantly, Before anyone even got to step eight, they were already generating more money in the first 90 days than they had in the last 100 weeks of creating podcast content, and they haven't even turned on content creation yet because we talked about finding out who you are. We got clear about who they are, and a lot of them had a lot of misperceptions. They had they had a persona that they had created of who they should be to be accepted by others that was not in alignment with who they truly are. So we helped them uncover that through our coaching. And then all of a sudden, it's like, why am I here? We found a little bit about what drives them, what motivates them, rather than doing the things that what everybody else has told them they ought to be doing with their life and what they think their life should be all about. We got clarity about what they want to create in this world. And then we got clear about what they wanted their lifestyle to be. We began to ask them questions about what they want their work week to look like and how much money they want to earn on a monthly basis. And what they would do with that money and and all of these things. We begin to really start by creating a plan for the life that they want. And then we built a business model to support the vision of that life. Let's find out what are you gonna be known for? How are you gonna communicate who you are? Who's your target audience? What's your value proposition statement? If somebody were to ask you the question anywhere, any day of the week, can you say, this is who I am, 
this is what I do, this is why I do it, and this is how people's lives are transformed. And when somebody hears you answer the question, who are you and what do you do, when they hear it, do they instantly say, oh my gosh, I need that, how do I work with you? Or if not, do they actually say, oh my gosh, I know somebody that I need to introduce you to because they so need what you have. If people aren't saying that when they ask you who you are and what you do, then you don't have the right value proposition statement. You're not communicating clearly who you are and the value that you bring to the table. We get in there, we figure all the stuff out, and then we figure out who are your exact ideal customers. These are people who have a problem that they want to have solved, and that's important because lots of people have problems, and a lot of people have products to solve those problems, but they're problems that people don't want to solve. They're okay with their problem. They recognize all of the pain associated with their problem, but they've just grown to accept it. And quite frankly, the thought of changing is just too much out of sight of their comfort zone. So you're not going to have a profitable business solving a problem with your product when that product happens to be a problem that most people aren't willing to solve. So you have to have an ideal customer who has a problem, who has a problem that they want to solve and that they be willing to pay to have it solved. You not only need to have a person that has a problem that they're willing to solve and they're willing to pay to have solved, but it has to be a problem that you can solve. However, that's still not enough. Just because you got somebody out there who has a problem, they're willing to do whatever it takes to solve it, they're willing to pay to have that problem solved, and just because you can solve it, that's not enough. You also have to want to solve that problem. So you have to find people who have a problem, who are willing to pay to have that problem solved, and it's a problem that you can and want to solve. And there's even more to the equation. These are the things people are missing. You have to actually know that audience so well. You have lots of conversations. You can do surveys. You can do tons of research. But you got to know what that problem is. You have to know all of the pains that are associated with that problem. And you have to know exactly what kind of symptoms are showing up in people's lives and the exact language that they use to describe that. I'm going to go back into Christie's chat here. And she said... A little bit ago, if I look in here, it's like you're crawling around in my mind, laugh out loud. Christy, the reason why I'm crawling around inside your mind is because I know exactly who my target audience is. My exact ideal customer is, well, I actually have three. I have the aspiring entrepreneur the early stage entrepreneur, and the next level entrepreneur. And let me explain to you what each of those are so you can hear the clarity that I have for each of these audiences. Here is Christy. Christy, who wants to create a blog and monetize it, but has struggled to be consistent. She is clearly an aspiring entrepreneur. And here's just one short little statement that explains who she is. Christy is an individual that is thinking about starting a business. She's gathering information, she's exploring business ideas, and she's looking for guidance on how to start. She may have already initiated her journey, which she said she has. She's been experimenting with her business model, yet they are still navigating towards a stable stream of paying customers. 
Christy, that's you. Do you see how I already knew that this was in a document on my computer before this room started? I created this document quite some time ago. Now, another level of client that I work with, an ideal client that I work with, is an early stage entrepreneur. These are individuals who have already embarked on their entrepreneurial journey, having launched their business already. They're in the early growth stages. They're fine-tuning their business model They are effectively attracting paying customers, which is great. They are facing, however, the challenges of managing their business, trying to figure out how to navigate all the ups and downs and the technical ins and outs and the processes and strategies and tools and marketing and all of the other mindset stuff. So their challenge is managing their business and seeking how to grow it to a sustainable level. Right now, these people are working around the clock. They're trying to figure this out, and yet it just hasn't caught enough momentum for them to see it as a sustainable business that would actually provide a reliable income stream for them. And those who want to leave their day job, some of them in the process, by the way, during the process of getting their business off the ground, usually self-sabotage their day job and sometimes get let go well before their business has reached sustainability, which creates all sorts of other problems and pains, which I could tell you about all of them in great detail, and I'd be crawling all around inside of their mind with the words that I use and the stories that I tell. And then there's next level entrepreneurs or seasoned entrepreneurs. But I use next level because I have the next level mastermind and I always talk about taking everything you do to the next level. These individuals are seasoned in the realm of entrepreneurship, having established a strong customer base and also a consistent revenue stream. They are focused on continuous innovation. However, their challenges often involve sustaining their current level of success while at the same time strategically planning for future growth in an ever-changing business landscape. And let me tell you, what I was doing with these next-level entrepreneurs during the pandemic and the global shutdown and people whose income streams were primarily from live events and uh, it, this this is where the rubber meets the road. And so do I know the challenges of these individuals? Absolutely. And so having this clarity, what I recognize is that if you just go and create a blog, if you go and create a podcast and you grow an audience and you don't have all of these, and I've just tapped into like two of the seven foundational steps that you need to go through and have absolute clarity about before you go building an audience. Because building an audience isn't ever anything really anyone who wants to build a business wants to do. Instead, in my Building an Online Business Workshop, instead I do this. I teach people how to attract their exact ideal client. One of the things I wanna share with you is after coming to all of these realizations, I made a decision a long time ago that I no longer wanted to teach people how to podcast. I kind of got bored of it. My email email inbox was always filled with quote unquote quick questions. 
And it was things like, how do I get this buzzing noise out? Hey, Cliff, I published a podcast episode 15 minutes ago, and it's only in such and such directory, but it's not in these three other directories. Can you tell me what I did wrong? Or, hey, Cliff, I bought the entire equipment package that you suggested, and I'm going through your tutorial that I paid for. The only thing is, though, is I already had a different recorder or a different this or a different that, and it's got a different cable that it needs. Can you look at it and tell me which cable I need? Well, that's a quick question to ask, but if I'm going to answer that question, then I need to go look up what equipment they have that they purchased. I need to find out exactly what model, do a search for the online PDF of the owner's manual, look up the port that that they need to hook it up to and find out what cable it is and then respond and tell them this is the cable you need and here's where you can get it. Well, let's just say I could have an eight-hour day, seven days a week, and that's all I would do is answer those questions. And that was not why I left my career as an insurance agent. Sure, it was making me lots of money, but I was becoming miserable making lots of money helping people do things that just aren't tapping into what I feel is who I am and why I'm here on this planet. And so I began to make some shifts and changes If there's anything that I want to say is creating content and building an audience will never net you any great results if you don't actually have a clear understanding of who you are, the value that you bring to the table, a level of confidence in the value that you offer, a clear picture of what it is you want to create and why it's essential that you create it, why it's so much of an essential part of your being on this planet having a very clear picture of who your exact ideal customer is, having a clear value proposition statement where you can clearly communicate in a single sentence who you are in such a way that people instantly say, I must work with you. Or somebody will say, I know somebody who needs to work with you. If you don't have these foundational steps, plus a few more between steps one through seven, then you're not gonna succeed in having an online business. This is just one of the sessions that I teach in my Building an Online Business Workshop. You can find this, by the way, at nextlevelworkshop.info. I built my house. We call it the house that podcasting built. I built this house nine years ago in June of 2014 as a result of my podcasting A to Z business. That's a different story all of its own. But when I built this house, I built a studio called the Next Level Studio. It is an 800-square-foot space that has a classroom. And I invited people to come and participate live in a a one-and-a-half-day in-person workshop called Building an Online Business. And I've had plenty of people come to this who had struggled a great deal to try to monetize their podcast efforts or their own blogging efforts or just online efforts whatsoever. And after coming away from this experience, they were given the step-by-step formula plus a lot of other sessions such as here's an email marketing strategy that and, and some techniques and tools with your email list that you absolutely must know. By the way, it's shocking to me, although it shouldn't be, how many people have a desire to monetize anything and don't have a mailing list that they're actively creating content for. But it happens for a lot of people. In fact, I told you I started podcasting as a hobby in December 2005. I became full-time self-employed in January 2008. Do you want to know when I started my email list? October 2010. 
Ironically, that's when the hockey stick of my profitability in my business went upscale. In fact, I, I'll never forget it. I was told, you should have an email opt-in, an incentive that people will find irresistible and they'll sign up and that gives you the permission to email them. And I'm like, that sounds great, but I'm so busy with teaching these clients or customers right now in my or students in my A to Z course. I'll get around to that. But for right now, I'm gonna go ahead and set up my mailing list and my email opt-in form on my website said, please enter your name and email address if you'd like to be notified of the next time I have a product or service that you can purchase or discount on any existing products or services. How's that for an irresistible offer to give me your email address? But that's what it was, and it stayed that way for two months. And I had a, I had 200 people sign up on my website to get that. And I never sent out an email newsletter, never sent out any updates, never created any content for it. And finally, I had a situation where people were paying me for the same thing over and over again. How do, how do I use Adobe Audition to edit my podcast? I'm sick of using Audacity was the thing. And one day I taught four people how to do that. And it was four two-hour sessions, and it was the same thing four times in a row. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I never do that again, it would be okay. And so I decided, you know what I'll do? I'm going to create an online webinar series. It's called the Podcast Answer Man Bootcamp Webinar Series. And I'm going to have seven two-hour webinars. They're going to be paid webinars. Now, if you, I think my rates at the time, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure my rates at the time were $150 an hour. It might've been $300 an hour. But if it was $150 an hour, it would have cost you $300 for me to teach this. But here in this webinar, you can pay $100 and you'll learn how to do it. It's it's a significant discount on hiring me one-on-one. And you'll get a high-def recording where you can watch this over and over again at your leisure. Also, if you buy all seven of them, you can get them all for $595. This was my very first ever email offer. I sent it to 200 people and I made $16,000 with the first email I ever emailed my audience. And what I've learned about what what you can do with a mailing list and how to make it even more effective, just the most common mistakes people are making with their mailing lists and what they're overlooking, it's just astonishing. In fact, I, I'm gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna read one testimonial off of the sales page over at nextlevelworkshop.info. It's not .com, by the way, nextlevelworkshop.info. Here it is, Ann Sharpstein. She says, I'm happy to share that my participation in the Next Level Workshop resulted in $5,000 monthly new revenue within two weeks of attending the workshop. Prior to the workshop, I had zero revenue. I just had to focus. But I have to tell you, that's not the whole story. Taking the workshop was truly life-changing for me, and I continue to be inspired and fired up both professionally and personally. What Ann Sharpstein has done in her life since then is incredibly astonishing, and just so many more people's lives have been touched by this. This is my passion, helping people find out who they are, discovering what their dreams are. I'm not always a type of guy who will go into techniques, formulas, tools, and strategies, but I recognize that there is a time and a place for that. I recognize that 80% of success is mindset, 
20% of strategy, but it is important to have this strategy. And that's why I created the Building an Online Business Workshop. This next wave of workshops for Building an Online Business Workshop is actually going to be in an online workshop fashion. I'm going to be doing this throughout an entire day. There'll be different sessions that start at specific times. There'll be a schedule given to you in advance. You will have plenty of time to take breaks, go out and get some daylight, sunshine into your life, have meals, all of these other things. But over the course of the day, we'll have several sessions and you'll have plenty of time to work on exercises and other things within the workshop to help you navigate through these seven steps and get more clarity about what you want. I'm not sharing the date of the next session intentionally because this is a pre-recorded piece of content that will be here for many years for people to hear. But if you go to nextlevelworkshop.info, you will see the date of the next workshop offering. And of course, if you are on nextlevelworkshop.info and you don't see a date there, then you should have the option to join a waiting list. And please do go ahead. If you are interested in signing up for a future session of the Building an Online Business Workshop, go ahead and put your name on the waiting list. I have an automated system to instantly notify me of your interest, and that will put into motion what would be necessary to begin the stages of planning for the next session that you would be a part of. So if you are interested, again, head over to nextlevelworkshop.info and let's turn your dreams of a profitable, sustainable business that supports who you are in this world and what you want to create and gives you the life and work that you love nextlevelworkshop.info. I can't wait to see you there. Mindset and